In this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a creepy Mrs. Beasley doll, organized webs of intrigue, rhubarb, and Twilight fanfiction in our discussion with Monica McGurk, author of The Agency. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to talk to Monica McGurk, author of The Agency. And there we go. Hooray. All right. So, oh, something that I didn't mention is we get really excited when it's time for Would You Rather and we make sounds. So just just okay. pretend like it's normal. Just go with it. It'll be fine. All right. If I had known, I could have brought my own noisy things to join you. Oh, no. Oh, well, it's okay. We just make mouth noises. We're ridiculous. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, you've said that. And now I'm just like. I know. I'm. Fart noises with my mouth. Don't. Please don't make fart <laughs> noises with your mouth. No, 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 no. You can't do it. I've had enough of that conversation today. I don't need any more. <laughs> All right. Claire, is it time? It is time. It is time for Would You Rather. Yay. Yay. This Would You Rather is extra special <laughs> because we are joined by the author. Yay. Yay. Thanks for joining us, Monica. We're so happy to have you here. Amanda and Claire, thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. So many things about this book. <laughs> got you it's thinking? Well, it's got it's excessively British and excessively American. So this yes. is very fitting for our transatlantic little podcast. It is. It is perfect for us. <laughs> Even though she's not really Southern, she was really British heritage. But I can pretend. I can. Yes, we can all aspire. Yes. Oh. <laughs> anyway. That that was a complete spoiler. It's a good job we've revealed this fact already. Hey, yes. I mean, we're full <laughs> of spoilers, okay? We that's, didn't. That's a minor spoiler in the scheme of things. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is very true. Right. Let's delve into this. Would you rather? We asked on social media. It's the end of your term exam. As an elite nanny in training, you must return your charge unharmed and in full health. Otherwise, you fail. We want to know would you rather look after an uncanny valley robo baby or an egg? And on Facebook, 80% said egg. On Instagram, it was a straight up 50-50. On Twitter, mm-hmm. 67% said egg. And on TikTok, with nearly 500 votes, it was egg, 80%. That is an crazy oh. amount of votes. Yeah. I, I don't know how it was such like an even percentage because seriously, there were like 487 votes. How did it split 80-20? It was crazy. That's crazy. Math. That is crazy. <laughs> math. math yes math. and we don't we don't do math on fictional hangover <laughs> well that's really interesting but uncanny belly baby sounds really scary so, hey wow. that baby that baby the baby was scary. all over everything constantly that yeah. is scary and that was based on a true story of a real baby my baby <laughs> oh, no. way back in the day <laughs> Oh, 
had, I had a, um, well, I was working full time and my normal child care arrangements fell through because my child was sick and we got a backup nanny from the service. Unbeknownst to me, backup nanny had never actually been a nanny. So did not follow the brat diet. Did have poop on my white sofa. Good times. Oh no. Ripped from the headlines. (laughs) Were you able to save the sofa? Flipped a cushion. We're proud to be in the Gurk household. <laughs> Every sofa cushion in my house has been flipped <laughs> multiple times in my house. Yes, we have dogs <laughs> and we had children, so it's, yeah. it's part of the game plan. You learn which cleaning product is the best to remove either pee or vomit or poop. It's yes. disgusting. It is disgusting, but I don't know what what would you guys have picked, egg or Robo Baby? Look, okay, the Robo Baby. Obviously, you know, based on our picture that we used on social media, we chose we chose a picture of the creepy Renesme robot from Ooh, Twilight. Yes. <laughs> now, I have an odd obsession with this creepy Renesbot. So I just I just kind of want to pick the Robo Baby just because of that. And like we did the the baby thing when I was in high school, but I didn't take that class. So all of my friends were carrying around these robo babies and I was like, nah, not for me. So like, I didn't get to experience it and I kind of want to, but not at all because I don't want children and I never will, but I don't know. Claire, Claire what, what would you fix? Uh, well, have like similar, I've got a child. I've done the poop and the pee and the vomit. Every fluid that can come out of a child has in some capacity been on me in some way shape or form i don't need to go through that again one and done i will make a little cushion nest for the egg i will put the egg in the fridge and it will stay fresh all weekend at the back of the fridge it will not be scrambled poached boiled or in any way shape or form cracked it'll be fine it'll be good it seems straightforward but not very challenging i don't need to be challenged i've done that (laughs) So far, he survived till seven. I've survived till he's seven. That's good. I'm, I feel like I don't need to break this winning streak or crack any winning streaks. So I'm not going to be imaginative with this one at all. Very practical. If you're protecting your grade, you might go with the egg. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But and, and also, I mean, they're going through a lot of other difficult things in their schooling so maybe the egg is the best choice because you're gonna you know go and beat someone up you're gonna run through a refugee camp you're gonna all these things didn't happen at the same time but still it could be hot glue guns at dawn you don't know with this school it's crazy (laughs) that's true now they didn't have a choice of taking the egg so they kind of were forced down the path but yeah if i had the choice i would do the egg too enough going on we never got that kind of class at school. Like, he is a fake child. Look after it. I find oh, really? those dolls. I can't. I don't even want they're called. I've never liked dolls. I hate dolls. Dolls are yeah. evil. They're creepy um, beyond all reason, which is why I like them. Well, I've yeah. ne- I didn't even like them as a child. I was. I, I like plushies, um, but I just don't like dolls. And I don't know why you would give a small child a doll that actually poops 
or wheeze or consumes food. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me giving this a, a baby a baby. I think it, it was I think it was a fear factor. At least in my high school, it was. <laughs> this is what happens. No, I avoid the, I, the, the <laughs> even when I'm shopping Christmas and birthday presents for my niece who loves dolls. I will avoid the doll, doll aisle in the shop. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I was lie. terrified of the first doll that was ever given to me. We had to get put away in a closet, tucked away, Ooh. never to be seen. What yeah. kind of doll was it? Was it called so Daisy? No, it was a Mrs. Beasley doll. There was a television show in the U.S. Um, where there was a Mrs. Beasley. And I don't know. It was like the hot toy. And it was super cool that my aunt procured one for me. And I was terrified. Oh, so, man. I just Googled that doll. That doll is creepy. It's Mrs. creepy, Beasley. right? Um, yeah, it, not a sweet not a sweet thing. Oh, <laughs> she's like a... She's like a tiny old lady. That's weird. That needs to be Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. (laughs) (laughs) But hot toy at the time. (laughs) And you had it hiding in your closet. I did. (laughs) Is that not worse? The fact it's tucked away and you don't know what it's up to. (laughs) No, it was it was out of sight, out of mind, I think. It was the the philosophy my mom was taking um, when she <laughs> did that thing. You could, it was a gift, so you couldn't get rid of it. It had to be, you know, kept. But anyway. Oh, I love it. So it sounds like egg wins. Egg is the winner. Yeah. yeah. A lot of our comments on social media were were all egg. Um, mm. L Young 421 on TikTok said egg can be put in the fridge until it's over. I trap banana munchers on TikTok. It's a great handle. Um, also said egg. If you break it, buy more. <laughs> ah, the cheating element. You're cheating. You could just hard boil it. Nothing, you know, they become indestructible at that stage. It's true. Or do like a, those science experiments where you like soak it in vinegar Pickled. or whatever and it becomes bouncy. Then it could be pickled a eggs. They are disturbing. Yes. We, we pickled eggs at school, but we never looked after an egg at school. We so actually school. had to do that in my school again, a long time ago. And you had to carry it around with you. You couldn't just put it away. So, you know. How long did you have to keep it? I want to say a week. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it was long enough that it was a big pain in the butt. I remember. Now, I didn't have the egg, but I had a Tamagotchi. Does that count? Oh, <laughs> no, it's a combination of it's a robo egg it's a combination yes. of the yeah. two you've melted maybe the, all the annoying elements of everything only perhaps well it dies right if you don't give it the attention it, it wants it dies so yeah exactly and my brother bought me it it was a little black and white puppy it was it was a black it was a puppy and it was in a black and white case and my brother bought me it and he was in secondary school at the time and I was still in, in, in juniors and they actually said you were not allowed to bring your Tamagotchis to school. So my brother, because he bought it for me, was forced to take it to school and look after it, <laughs> keep it all alive. day to keep <laughs> it alive. And then the handover took place after school until eventually, you know, it gets put in a drawer and forgotten about and dies. But yes, I think, does a Tamagotchi count? Because I mean, I did look after a Tamagotchi. I, I, kept, I kept that sucker alive. How long did you keep it alive? Months. Months. Impressive. 
yeah I was obsessed over it and needed to be looked after I think I found it like with when I last moved house as well I was like oh my god I mean the battery was dead so it got binned but yeah I guess it's kind of like the sims oh don't go there (laughs) (laughs) sorry I I had to go cold turkey playing the sims when I was a teenager (laughs) yeah it was obsessive but it's kind of the same concept right ignore it for too long and disaster yeah well I mean that's if you're playing it properly if you're playing it the way I do you kind of put everybody in the pool and then a hedge around it and see what happens because you want to create (laughs) take away the ladder yeah I wanted a haunted house I was killing all my sims and it didn't work out in the end it was too scary to live in oh yeah did you put like a an indoor grill by a curtain firework fireworks okay fireworks Fireworks. with no exit and if you put alarm clocks in a room and set them all to go at the same time and then put the people inside you drive them crazy (laughs) right so when i'm looking for bad things to happen in my plots i'm calling you claire yeah you've got it down (laughs) i've done that i've all had it and now i'm in charge of a child (laughs) did we have any comments that weren't egg by the way so I know Constance said egg. The egg is the beginning of comedy. The creepy baby is the beginning of a horror movie. And Annie said egg, no crying, no poop. Set it in the crate and it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, um, Brie. Brie. Brie, yes. Oh, Brie. And that's perfect. It's very fitting. Brie. Yeah, Brie on Facebook said Uncanny Valley Robo Baby. I want that internship resume experience. Also, that egg would become French toast so fast. <laughs> um. Oh, superfan Coral, would you, we would have to go with the egg. Um, with that, you can set it and forget it. And you don't have to, something creepy staring at you from the corner of the room. And if you get hungry, mm-hmm. scramble it up. Everybody <laughs> must have been hungry doing these comments. Yes. We, Janie on Instagram. I don't, I butchered that handle. By my experience as a nanny, I know the egg will end up smelling worse than the robo baby. So maybe they're picking the robo baby. Oh. They've got an expired egg. <laughs> Yuck. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Not nice. Not nice. No. Oh, very good. I did put this on the wall at the library, and someone did say eggs are fragile and crack under pressure, as am I. Give me the robo baby in all capital letters. So <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I love it so many good comments That's all the cool. time that was a good would you rather a lot we love our would you rather we really love yeah. them our next question is would you rather be a nanny working for a rich and famous family able to take advantage of their high life or be a spy living in the shadows with no connections and having friends and family is frowned upon mm. interesting one i guess it depends on whether wait both of those you could get like international travel and glamour yeah right yeah you're kind of in the background as a nanny you're in the background of the spy but you're actually making things happen so I don't know I personally don't want to die so I think I would go with the nanny (laughs) (laughs) despite some of the downsides that might bring with it um because, yeah, I would like to live. Yeah. So how about you guys? Uh, see, I'm just going to avoid the children again. 
at all costs. I'm avoiding the children, so I'm going to be a spy. And that's funny that I say that as a children's librarian on the inside. Look, I like children for small amounts of time, but I don't want to have to care for you. I don't, I don't want to be responsible. Just let me entertain you. So maybe I should be an Annie. Mm, there is still a lot of responsibility, though. Okay, so I'll just be a spy. Them. I'll just be a spy. It's fine. Okay, I'm going to be a spy as well. That simply because I do know a nanny who works for the capital R, capital P, rich people. She's not allowed to tell me who she works for. Okay, oh, I know her previous employer, and they're in Switzerland. Hmm. And they're absolutely batshit local. Like, I have <laughs> never heard... We were, we were talking yesterday about her previous employer and they are crazy. All the crazy. And I don't know how she did it for so long. And I couldn't put up with the, you know, fleeting... The way that she... The, the work, it's like... If they want something done, it needs to be done now. There's no organization to it. There's no structure to it. It was it was crazy. Um, and I couldn't be bothered with that. I would get so fired. they were like impulsive and demanding. Yes, too much so. Yeah. And entitled. And it's just it, it would drive me crazy. I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. So, so torture and getting shot at is better than that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Getting shot at, um, explosions, kidnap, torture sounds better than what she put up with for three years. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> awesome. So based on your conversations with your friend, did some of the scenarios around the capital R, capital P preparation in the agency sound on target or no? Not crazy enough? <laughs> Not crazy enough in some instances. She did end up in a river once um, because they were (laughs) messing around. The kids were messing around and she had had to get them away from the yacht and she was the one who ended up in the water. Um, And one of the other kids decided to run away from home and they managed to track them down two days later at the airport. Thanks. Yeah. How old was this child? Eleven, ish. Oh my god! Yeah, it it it's just phenomenal. I I described it as um, a soap opera where you don't want to watch, but you have to watch. Like I'm waiting. Train wreck coming. Yeah, I am. I am genuinely waiting for the Netflix special. It's it's just bonkers. You wouldn't believe it, um, and it's definitely a, a how the other half live. And she does offer try and offer structure. She's she's a teacher. She's a trained teacher, and you know she's done a librarianship courses and mindfulness courses. So she hasn't gone to, you know, nanny school. Is in the okay. agency. Yeah. Um, she hasn't gone to Norwood. Um, but you know she's she's good at what she does. But the story she comes out with, I just couldn't cope. And this, it's not as if it's like, you know, six kids she's looking after. It's one or two. It's bonkers. It's the parents more than the kids as well. The parents are the, the crazy people. So yeah, I couldn't I couldn't put it. I would I would be the nanny for the rich and famous, but it's not as if I don't think she she doesn't get the benefits of the rich and famous. She'll get to go on holiday with them if they want to accommodate having her with them. 
but it's not guaranteed that she goes with them. Yeah. Yeah. Though I do wish she did take the job in the Cayman Islands because I had an open invitation for a visit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds nice right about now. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. You guys are very squarely in spy camp. Well, Confidence. Be much more interested. Plus, it's puzzle solving and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually surprised that a man didn't go for nanny simply for the crafting. I do like, love a good craft. Yeah. I mean, how many hot glue guns do you have? Only I three. only have two. I only have three. You only have three? That's three more than I have. <laughs> I used to have one. I did have one. But now I'm down to zero. Because my, my youngest is now 15. So we don't do crafts at, at home anymore. So can I can I just put them together? Can I go to Norwood? Can I be a spy nanny? Because I think yeah, that would I'll be you, I'll, I'll put you in the next book, Amanda. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, I, w- I could do that. I mean, I do have an infinite supply of craft materials. And have I've it. Got we'll a- travel, then you're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just going to put them both together then. You've picked option C. I can't believe you've gone there. Well, you mentioned the crafts, Claire. I, I wasn't going to bring up the crafts, but you I mentioned You forced your hand. <laughs> you did. Okay. Next, would you rather? Would you rather be an impoverished aristocrat or an orphan with a mysterious background? Mm. Who, who, who wants to go first? you want me to go first? You have to go first this time. Monica. I have to go first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, picking up on what you were just saying about mysteries, I like the mystery element, like what happened, unraveling that. And I like the idea that as an orphan, you can be free of whatever your past was. So I would go for B, a mysterious orphan. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking like, I don't want to be Dash, you know, making... Having to like make himself a spectacle because he hates his father so much. I don't want to do that. And if I were a mysterious orphan, I mean, I could make up my own history. I could make up my own story. And no one would know because I'm an orphan. Yep. No one would know. Exactly. As an orphan, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So let's just be orphans together. Yeah. So what about you, Claire? Absolutely no interest in aristocracy. None at all. I don't care. And I don't look at the papers, not bothered for reading about them, whatever. You know, oh, paparazzi are following such and such. I don't know. The only aristocracy I could probably name are parts of the royal family, and even then it's not in a favourable light. Um, yeah, so let's just be orphans together. Let's just be orphans. I don't even think the aristocracy has any respect from the general populace. People in Britain don't care. It's stifling. To me, like all like publicity, but if it's publicity, it's only bad publicity. There's not even that much publicity about them. It is literally the royal oh. family and anybody connected to the royal family. You can't name any dukes or earls or marquis. I couldn't name any of them. Yeah, said, free, free the orphan. Yeah. This is yes. life is not Downton Abbey. Yeah, definitely orphan with a mysterious background. And I'll just change it every time with different people. And, you know, nobody will know the true story behind me. Yeah, so you'll be extra. Which will help the spy, too. Exactly, it will help with the spy work. 
yeah get really we're figuring things out here we're figuring out why brie is so great yeah she's as long as she doesn't get mired down in the past right yeah yeah oh that's a little little clingy to it yeah that's going to be good for our last would you rather question but we're not there yet we have one more before that one would you rather design a scavenger hunt around London or two weeks of craft projects? Oh, 100% the scavenger hunt. That would be really fun. Um, I, I actually got to do that. I, I didn't get to design one, but I got to go on one um, for like a work thing once. And it was a blast. It was a blast. Um, and if I were in charge of it, I could be really obscure and do really fun things. So um, I would totally do that. I am not a good crafter. I did, you know, did my duty as a mom. I had the supplies. I still have some leftover supplies, but I would not be very good at that. It would drive me nuts. So yeah, scavenger hunt for sure. What about you, Claire? I love a good scavenger hunt. I do like a good craft. You know, I do, but scavenger hunt around London. Definitely. And that's one of the things I liked about the scavenger hunt. It didn't go to the normal places. I kept expecting the Natural History Museum to pop up with the British Museum and it didn't go anywhere that a normal touristy places. So that really, really, well, probably 221B Baker Street. That's probably about the touriest, touriestest place ever. Oh, and side note, everybody laughs at Cockfosters, not just tourists. <laughs> okay. Everybody. I used to work when I, my previous employer I had to go down to London a lot and the amount of times I was on the tube and went past Cockfosters and I would take a picture and send it to my husband and go he 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 Cockfosters so everybody not just tourists slap at Cockfosters it does kind of beg for a joke yeah everybody awesome. is 12 on the inside yep <laughs> and aren't we all yeah exactly the fun people are anyway yeah. exactly 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 I would like Brie to go down to London and go to one of the disused um, tube stations. One of the ones that's been closed off and have some kind of mystery down there or there's some kind of clue that's been left there. I don't know. I I love those kind of like hidden off places that not even tourists can go to. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like the the deep down underground areas of London because there's so much, so much. It's a city built on top of a city on top of a city. Yeah. Excellent. That's a great idea, making a note. (laughs) Claire, I hope you get like special acknowledgements in a future book. (laughs) Total acknowledgement. Um, I actually have the first draft of the second book done. Ooh. which we can talk about later but um yeah mm-hmm. right, let's quickly move on then <laughs> Amanda, yeah, yeah we doing? need to get to that so um i am going to break the rules and choose option c again and i'm going to make it a craft scavenger hunt i'm going to craft weird clues and hide them places because look i could put together two weeks worth of crafts in no time you swap give me three hours you're a SWAT. Less than that. Do you have the word SWAT in America? No, but you've taught me about it before. Would you like to teach Monica about it? What is that word? SWAT. Um, it's usually a derogatory term to applied to children who are academically inclined and overachievers. 
But uh, I usually get called a swat all the time and say thank you. That means that what I'm doing is right. Another thing to note. <laughs> you just you need to like just listen to some of the back catalog of fictional hangover to pick up some of the exceptionally British things that Claire has to say. And you could you could fill pages with the ridiculousness that comes out. And you'll get like a whole page of acknowledgement. (laughs) These terms, these ideas, these things. (laughs) I need to wear my excessively British t-shirt, don't I? You do. You do. (laughs) We have an exceptionally British line of products on our Redbubble shop and they're all made just for Claire. (laughs) I didn't realize how British I was until I started to talk to Amanda. Well, it's because I'm not British at all, and I really like to laugh at the ridiculous things that you say. I just talk normal. Amanda, where in the South are you from? Arkansas. <gasps> I lived there. You lived in Arkansas? I did. Where? For two years. I lived in Fayetteville. Really? Yeah. Now we're almost neighbors. I mean, I'm in Little Rock, but that's really cool. Wow, no yeah. one's ever like, yeah, I've been to Arkansas. I lived there. <laughs> I feel I special there. now. when was that what were you up to um I worked for one of the companies in northwest Arkansas and um I lived there from 2016 to 2018 wow not too long ago no very recent my oldest son graduated from Fayetteville High School really he did I love that so much wow I don't awesome too I don't feel so left out now. (laughs) We we moved from Atlanta to Arkansas. And then we moved up to Chicago. That's nice. I was in Seattle while you were in Arkansas, but still. Okay. Yeah. But that's why I do, like, all, all my books have some connection to where I am or have been. Right. So a lot of Southern stuff. I like it. Um. The next book will include some Chicago stuff. Nice. So. I love Chicago. I love Chicago. Fun town. Yeah. A little cold right now. But. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Is that where you currently are? Yep. I'm on the North Shore of Chicago. Yeah. We've been here since 2018. That's awesome. Yeah. We haven't visited Chicago in, I don't know, it's probably even before we moved to Seattle so it's been a while since we visited there but it's about time for us to go back we've been there several come times on. come visit me I will oh my gosh and then you can come and visit me in Arkansas and then we can both be like why are we here research <laughs> <laughs> oh. just say research research yes that's right research hey it's beautiful <laughs> yeah set a book in Arkansas so you know you can put with anybody Yes, there are some. And it's beautiful here. I know that I rag on my home state a lot. And a lot of it is deserved, but it's beautiful here. You have your own urban legends and haunted places. You know I want to come to Arkansas. I know. So you can meet the It is gorgeous. The lakes, the mountains. Yeah. Uh, And we really liked it when we were there. Yeah. So. All right. Claire, what's our last question? Our last would you rather? Would you rather find out where the children are or uncover the mystery of the parents? Oh, I would totally, if I were Brie, 100% focus on the children. Like, got to move on. 
who cares about the past? Those kids are counting on you. You're a spy now. Do your job. Find out the kids. Go rescue them. That's what I would do. Those kids are so so (laughs) sweet. Those kids are so sweet. You have to take care of them. They're sweet and they're also tough, man. Like you're like repelling off of containers and, you know, sneaking in with human traffickers. I mean, holy cow. Yeah. And you know what? Excellent kids. And especially those girls. Bree's like, all right, we're going to cut off all your hair. And they just went with it. I would have been freaking out if someone decided to cut off all my hair. As a small child, right? I mean, we're a little like troopers. Yeah. I can't imagine being in a container for, was it 10 days? No. Uh, Horrible, right? That was, I did a lot of research and that was one of the more horrific elements of the research that and the refugee camp. Yeah. Like, oh God, horrible. No, I remember those being on the news for a long, 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 long time. And it was awful. Yeah. And now with everything happening, of course, in it's Ukraine. Awful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Claire, what would you do? You'd go for the parents? You'd un- unpack the mystery? I'm going to unpack the mystery of my parents. But it's going to lead to option C. Because <laughs> there are far too many times where there's been hints towards Bree's mum and I'm waiting for the, actually there's Bree's dad's involved in this capacity as well because he's kind of been forgotten about somewhat in the first one. We know he's MI5, but that's about it. So I'm waiting for that that penny to drop. Um, But there's too many hints about, oh, you look like your mum. Oh, your mum. Oh, your mum. So if we know what her mother was involved with, in theory, it's going to lead on to who is the mole within the agency and therefore we're going to find out where the kids are. So it's option C, technically, but it's uncover the mystery of my parents and I just so happen to find the kids at the same time. You're going to solve gonna all the mysteries the at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to solve all the mysteries all the time. With that line of thinking, you're going to love the second book. <laughs> 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 Mwah, secrets. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, so that's the end of Would You Rather. Yay. And now we're <laughs> going to move on to our other questions. Okay. So what was the inspiration? So honestly, my kids and I were driving in a car, coming back from a weekend away, and I was brainstorming with them because I'd just finished my first series and I needed another topic. And we were just throwing ideas out there. And at the time, my daughter was, you know, like a middle teenager. And unlike you, Claire, she was paying attention to the royal family and what was going <laughs> on in the British media. And she throws out, what if the nannies to the royal family were really spies? <laughs> a stupid idea. And I was like, whoa, no, that's a brilliant idea. I love that idea. And then they, all three of them tried to talk me out of it. Like, no, mom, that's bad. That's a bad idea. And I'm like, no, this is, this is it. This is the, the lightning striking. I'm going to figure this one out. So that's what inspired it. Um, bigger picture, all of my books, um, it, 
they're in the young ad- adult, but kind of adults read them genre. Mm-hmm. They tend to bring diverse characters and women to the forefront um, because I think it's important to have representation in literature, in particular in pop culture. And they all have elements that you can choose to engage with or you can just ignore of current events. And so whether it's the refugee crisis or human trafficking or whatever, I use the book to weave those kinds of stories in so people can connect if they wish to those issues and maybe find some thought provocation in them. So that's kind of the origin of it. I love it. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you have a favorite spy book or movie or TV show or anything like that? So um, if I go way, way back in the day, um, and Claire, I don't know if you'll know this one, but there was a show, I think it was in the 80s called Scarecrow and Mrs. King on American television Mm -hmm. that was about a housewife who stumbles into kind of a friendship. Maybe someday it'll be a romance with a spy and get sucked into helping him with his spying, which I loved, which I actually hadn't thought about in a really long time until um, I saw some of the questions you sent over. I was like, oh yeah, I loved that show. I loved the Americans about the Soviet spies who were embedded in the United States during the eighties. And then from a book standpoint, not really spy books, but just the mysteries. I'm, I'm kind of binge reading Agatha Christie right mm-hmm. now. That's yes. been really fun. Um, and I started reading Christie Affair, which um, you may have heard of. It's like the novelization of what happened when she disappeared, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But the coolest actual spy book I've read is nonfiction. And it was called Madame Foucault's Secret War is about the French woman during World War II who ran the, I think it was the biggest underground spy network in the resistance in France. And how how she assembled it, how it started, how she assembled it, all of the risks she ran, how it collapsed when it was infiltrated. Um, It's like so, so cool. This woman was just kick ass. Um, And nobody knows about her. That's really cool. I kind of, when reading this one, I kind of got a Kingsman vibe. Yeah. Especially the, you know, the prequel one, because. We watched it around. We we did. I think we watched it on the same day, actually. I think we did. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was, it's really cool because, you know, the nanny is, you know, they're all spies, all of, and nobody knows, nobody suspects the nanny. It's the nanny who gets things done. And then yeah. she's a sharpshooter at the end in the sniper <laughs> and she kills a lot of people and she's amazing. But uh but yeah, I got I got major Kingsman vibes. Oh, very exciting. I love it. Yeah. It reminded me of a documentary I watched once on um nannies. Um in the UK there's channel four. Um, because we don't have that many terrestrial channels and channel four do weird documentary really weird documentaries but they did one and it was about nannies and it was about an agency and and like the most sought i can't remember what it's called um but it was um about the nannies that are the most sought after out of everybody if you can afford them you have the best nannies in the world 
and I will try and remember what this Channel 4 documentary was about because it was very interesting. And it was a like you looked at the what the training they go through and um you know how what the placement are and they can't talk about any of their clients at all. Um and even down to the uniforms, how it was very beige and blank and you meld into the background and all the way through I'm going this is like that documentary that I watched and then texted my friend and going are you a spy because then some of this <laughs> stuff was like hang on is she doing this but yeah that that all the way through I kept thinking about this documentary because it was like going behind the scenes in this in this thing That's and it's good. driving me crazy that I cannot remember for the life of me what it was but yeah I got the king as well We'll Google and we'll find it. But that thing, like, who, like, when you're in a secret profession or when you travel, so my husband, he always worked for startups and he traveled all the time. And so people used to always ask him, Are you really a spy? Are you really a spy? Because they didn't understand what he did, they didn't believe what he did. Um, So it's kind of fun to play on that, just that little pricking, nagging. I'm not sure I believe what you're saying. Hmm. It's it's interesting as well because I mean it's it's like thinking about when we're watching um when we watch Kingsman and it's the domestic staff are the ones that are the spies they're the ones who have all the information and it it's it, you kind of think well even stuff like upstairs downstairs and Downton Abbey the staff are there they are neither seen nor heard and the amount of conversations that they have people have in front of them historically and they hear everything because they're just blind and deaf to what's going on and it's automatically assumed that you I pay your wage I have your loyalty and it's like well you might pay my wage but I'm actually put here for a reason I got the job for a reason so it's a very interesting prospect yeah I mean it, it If you are in that situation and you're treated like wallpaper, not badly, but just like assumed to be in the background and loyal, as you said, it creates a great opening for someone who wants to exploit that, Mm -hmm. which I find is fascinating. And the nanny particular, because, you know, non-threatening, nurturing, no one would think that they would have ulterior motives. Well, it's kind of like the the situation with um that happened when um Susie, sorry, Sasmita mm-hmm. was influenced by her own nanny. And the nanny, the governess, you know, whichever role that they take, they can you know, imagine you're a spy put into the household of an enemy um nation, politics, whatever. Um that nanny can have more influence over that child than the parents ever can because you kind of get this impression of you know the the more money that you have the less influence you have over your children because the less time you spend with the children um because children are seen and not heard um especially if you go back in history uh, and so that nanny that governess person is going to have be able to whisper in their ear and in theory turn that child against the parent or turn that child as well into their own covert agent who comes back to whisper to them and give them all the secrets so you know it's kind of like I know it's having this knock-on effect of you're infiltrating and then you're infiltrating further you're deeper you're going deeper because you have the child eating out the palm of your hand because you're the person who gives them the love the affection and the attention 
Yeah. It's almost like you're, you have the possibility of creating your own sleeper cell right inside the home if you exploit the child that way. Exactly. And the child comes of age and takes over daddy's role or, and, and it's more information. And it's kind of like this horrible spider web. It's very complex. Yeah. And, but you know, the possibilities are infinite, are infinite. And you know, you know, this is happening somewhere, you know, what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes it so fun. Because you can take it in so many different directions. Well, exactly. Oh, it's getting confusing. Is it confusing to write something like that and to try and keep all these dangling threads and this huge spider web of, you know, espionage tied together and go, well, I've, I've planted the seed here, so I do need to go back and find that. I need to loop that in somehow. Uh, others I need to keep dangling throughout as the series goes on. It can be unless you're really hyper-organized. So I tend to do outlines here's what's going to happen over three books. And then here's what's going to happen in each book. And then I go really deep into the one I'm working on. And my publisher doesn't like me for this, but I don't like to release like the first book until I know pretty much exactly what's going to happen in the second book, because I don't want to get like boxed in a corner. I'm like, oh, I forgot that dangling thread or, oh, this doesn't, it can't happen because this happened in the first book. So I try to, weave everything together I do a lot of fact checking to make sure um so like in the the second book for example um which has a tentative title of either the handler or dead drop dead drop sounds pretty cool I think um anyway it goes back in time so you do find out a little bit more about what happened to Bree's parents And then it's like, okay, does the timeline, the historical timeline actually match what I'm saying and making sure that all of those details are aligned. You know, some, some readers don't care, but a lot of readers do care. Mm. And if you have something wildly off, it ruins the suspension of disbelief that you're asking people to have to go on this journey. Yeah. When does book two tentatively release? Maybe around Christmas or January. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I tell you, I like it. It it still, you know, is in the iterating process, but it's a full manuscript that's pretty tight. So nice. Yeah. As Amanda and Claire get out their calendars and <laughs> it's already up on the screen. All right. And when are we fitting Monica back on the schedule? <laughs> we can do book live. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Plans. It's exciting. Oh. Um... So yeah, the, the tracking of the the details can get confusing. And you and you also want to make sure that the details and the political intrigue don't overwhelm the story, you know, and that, that was a lot of what I worked on in the first book is balancing enough of the international intrigue so that things would make sense as further developments happen later in the series, but not overwhelming the storytelling. It must be difficult, especially in the current political climate of everything that's going on 
like how much do you how much would you say you know I can't include that because it makes it dates the book or I should include it because I need to I'm educating younger girls or adults who may not be otherwise inclined to look at the newspaper or you know do their own research it's a balancing act for sure so like all of the Turkish stuff for lack of a better word I made it pretty generic yeah there's there's no naming of any individual other than the made-up character who's the colonel um under the assumption that whatever's going on there right now with the shift in their politics and um the fundamentalism and the like it will be relevant and it's described generically enough that hopefully it's just a conflict. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, set into this particular time only. The um, Calais camp was one that I worried about a little bit more because of course that camp is gone now, Mm -hmm. but the refugee challenges around the world are still going on. So we decided to keep that in. Because it, yes, it was a moment in time, but it happens all around the world still, mm-hmm. just in different places. Well, exactly. I mean, it's happening right now. Yeah. It's going to be happening more. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think somebody said this is the most refugees. We already, during COVID, because of the economic and food scarcity issues, had a surge to what was argued to be the biggest refugee population like in our lifetimes. And now, of course, there are millions of people who are getting displaced. So yeah, it's going to be with us for a while, unfortunately. The world is not a happy place. No, it's not. That's why we need great fiction. Yes, let's talk about That's why we need great fiction because we need to, a lot of times, you know, yeah, we need to focus on what's going on and we need to do our part and we need to help, but sometimes we just need to escape and that's... Amen. Yeah. We need a good good book can do that for you. We need to do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So on a more happy topic, when you're writing, do you have like a favorite snack? Do you have a playlist that you need to listen to? Do you compose your own playlist? So I know authors publish their own playlists so people can yeah. listen as they read. I do. I do do my own playlists and they um I iterate them a little bit as I get deeper into the book to get the mood right and everything. Um, and then I have one that I listen to a lot, um, which is, it's called like a boss, but it's like a girl power oh, yeah. kind of. <laughs> um, I just like add little things to it. And when I need to get pumped up, I listen to that. And um, I listen to, you know, pump up my characters, my female characters too. But I do always have at least one playlist so like for the agency um I've got my core agency playlist and then I did one that was all set with Muscle Shoals music as background for Brie and that one will be maybe more relevant even in the next book because we'll go back to Muscle Shoals and spend some time there but um it kind of gives you a little bit of her backdrop which is nice Um, from a snacking standpoint I write at different weird times of day. So it's never one thing, but coffee or wine. <laughs> <to bookend. laughs> 
usually have a beverage of choice at my side while I'm writing. Well, that's it. When you go in the bar in Bath, if you weren't drinking something alcoholic, I would have been very shocked. Oh, yes. Just to get into the mood. Have to. Have to. Like fun. That was a fun scene. I like that scene. Gin's really big at the moment in the UK, like especially flavoured gin. So I kept expecting like um, Dashiell to be like, oh, try this passion fruit one. And, you know, just <laughs> oh, honestly, it's ridiculous. I, I'm not a big gin drinker my, myself, but there's like rhubarb gin. That's quite nice. And I do not love rhubarb. I love um, rhubarb. That's a very British thing. Like yeah. the amount of rhubarb in the marketplace. <laughs> Pardon me? That she's exceptionally British. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't. I imagine Dashiell drinking rhubarb gin. It is exactly the type of drink, exactly the type of beverage that he would go for. He's, I can. He would be a bit of a snob when it comes to what gin he does like, but he would go. Yes, we're having a rhubarb one, and he would go to the the gin taster sessions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge gin. It's huge at the moment in the UK, especially flavored ones. So, yeah, I, I thought just, it was kind of like, oh, he's he's having. A pint instead. Interesting. No, he wouldn't be a pint drinker. I cannot see that happening. She's writing all of Dashiell's backstory right now. So just. <laughs> He's trying to bond with others. Rhubarb gin might make it into the second book, though. That's a good idea. It's, it I'm is, just taking notes. It Claire's is very delightful. Drinker. I mean, I'm not, like I say, I'm not a drink drinker and I do not particularly like rhubarb, but together, it's actually surprisingly nice. <laughs> Last time I was in the. Okay, I tried to procure a whole bunch of rhubarb items to bring back in my suitcase, but I ran out of time. I love rhubarb. My grandmother had a rhubarb patch. That's funny. They were farmers. So quickly, you can hear it growing if you have it in a black room in the black <laughs> shed. Yeah, really. It, yeah, I mean, I've not done it myself because I rhubarb, but the commercially they have them in just windowless sheds, completely dark, and you can hear the. St- Brain of the gold. Yeah, it'll be on YouTube somewhere. I'm going to look that up too. Honestly, really weird commercial rhubarb going. Rhubarb and custard sweets, but they're a boil sweet, Amanda, and half's pink and half's cream. Okay, and the custard's more like a like a yellow. It's like a creamy yellow, and the, the custard's just like the yellow, and then the root. But it's not. It doesn't taste anything like rhubarb. But it's like a fruitiness and rhubarb. Custard boil sweets. Uh, so good. you're gonna send me those in your next care package, is this right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on the list. I need to send you some Coleman's mustard as well. I was talking about intensely British stuff yesterday, and I was like, I need. Uh, I end up copying the list over for a list of care packages to, for, to send Amanda. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. You might need to yeah, send yeah. some to Monica as well. I will. <laughs> I I would I would enjoy that. Yeah, I miss I miss travel. I'm glad things are opening back up. I'm hoping to get um to London and Ireland to do research. That's fun. That's the type of research we all like. <laughs> yeah. It's a great excuse, right? Right. Set, where do I want to go? That's where we're gonna set this book. Awesome. <laughs> There we go. So is there a book that changed your life or one that you always recommend when anyone asks you 
about books? Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty voracious reader. I guess what I'd say is when I was little, like really, really, really little, I learned to read at quite a young age and my parents had a lot of friends who didn't have kids. And so they would just take me around, tote me around wherever they were going for their, you know, Saturday night extravaganzas at people's homes. And they kind of dumped me with whatever was available, <laughs> not toys, nothing maybe child appropriate. Um, so really early, I got super into two books. One was, I, I don't even remember which anthology, but it was an anthology of Greek and Roman mythology. And it just it captured my imagination. Everything happens in these books, right? There's nothing, no human emotion is untouched. Everything is on the table because they're gods. They can do whatever. So um, that just really captivated me and made me very, um, I think, curious and imaginative. And then the other book that they got at a garage sale was this Reader's Digest um, Amazing Stories and Incredible Facts or something like that, which was all these weird things like, you know, Nostradamus predicted blah, blah, blah. And is it true? Is it happening? Or what's the deal with the Bermuda Triangle and UFO? So it's like all these things. Uh, like every paranoid conspiracy theory was in there. Um, stuff that would now be considered very, very inappropriate. Like here were the first Siamese twins, conjoined twins who were, you know, on display and such and such. Um, but again, it was just so out there and random <laughs> that it just made me really curious. So not that I go around recommending those books, but those are probably <laughs> ones that early on got me interested in being a reader um, just because they were so thought provoking to this young, unformed mind. Um, <laughs> no, um, that, that, that's made you the creative person that you are though, being right, exposed exactly. to all these weird, yeah. I mean, Greek mythology alone is weird and wonderful. Never mind adding in the paranoia, the paranoia inducing conspiracy theories of Reader's yeah. Digest. <laughs> yeah, I had a, like, literally I had a dream. This is the the worst nightmare I ever had. I had three fears because of this book. I was afraid of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you call them, UFOs and the Bermuda Triangle. So I had a dream. There you go. I love that. The I had a dream. This. It's awesome. Man knows Bigfoot how much I love a Bigfoot. In my window kidnapped me, put me at, on a UFO that had landed in my front yard. And then they dropped me into the Bermuda Triangle. Like, yeah, I'm not making that up. That was an actual dream. Yes. So, yeah. I had an active imagination as a child. <laughs> I would read books and I would um, act them out and like get really absorbed into the characters or whatever. So um, yeah. Can you please write a scene in one of the future books where one of the characters gets drunk on rhubarb gin and starts telling them about this weird dream about Bigfoot UFOs <laughs> and the Bermuda Triangle? Because that would be the scene stealer of the entire thing. Making a note. <laughs> Making a note. I would really enjoy that because, like, the first half of this book, you know, there was a lot of like stuff that made me snort and like just silly things that happened. And then 
you know, once the actual spy craft began, you're like, oh, yikes, it's, it's very serious. So you have to put it in the first half with all the goofy, quirky things happening before it yeah. gets serious. Got to try and inject it a little bit more. I think, you know, the banter between them sometimes is just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they've got to balance the fun stuff with the go save the kids, go figure this out kind of stuff in the next book yeah i i, I will be devastated if dashel and or ruby turn out to be double agents or in any way bad in any way shape or form because i love them so much and i think brie needs them as a support network and as her found family so you know please don't make them awful <laughs> even if it's neither confirm nor deny oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but, okay, let's talk about Ruby. Isn't that Ruby awesome? Yes. Ruby is so kick ass. Yeah. I want to go to Notting Hill Carnival with her. I can only imagine it being absolutely amazing. Yeah. But they're not in the next book because they're going back to Muscle Shoals. Oh, that's right. She's going to be pissed. Excuse my language. She's going to be <laughs> upset that they missed the opportunity so yeah she's pretty cool i like her too there's some really means if she's not in the second book she's safe and now because if if there is a horrible scene with her she needs to be in it so okay no i'm fine i'm fine she's safe at the moment yeah (laughs) yes all your favorites will make appearances in the second book except for mine because mine got her head blown off but I Susie love a, was your favorite. I mean, I love a good, like, sneakily evil bad guy. The bad guys are always my favorite. And that was such a she good, right? It was such a she good is. ending. You're like, just we're just sitting here at the dinner table, and then, like, <laughs> yes, please, I like it. Yeah, she was a really fun one to write. I have to say, we have to find a way to do something more with her some other way youtube videos yeah well one thing i do like to do um on social is um after there's been you know a little bit of time from the release it's not quite yet but soon do that like who would you cast if this was a movie who would you Mm, cast in a role and i think she would be one of the really fun ones to have that conversation about because she's got a, a really distinct look to her and um has that sneaky element to her so yeah yeah I always have trouble uh fan casting I don't ever I don't ever imagine people when I'm reading books it's just I just take you know what you as the author has put forth I I don't I don't fan cast I can't do it I'm not good at it I can think about it after the fact but I'm not ever very good with fan casting. The only character, oddly enough, that I ever did imagine while I was reading a book, and it doesn't make any sense at all, was uh, when I was reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, I imagined Gary Sinise as um, as Sirius Black, and then it was Gary Oldman, and that was, you know, infinitely better, but yeah, that's the only character that I can ever recall, like, putting someone yeah. in a character's shoes. And why Gary Sinise, of all people? Like, I don't know, but 
He just popped to your brain. He did. Amid- I don't know. He could have. He could have done it. He could have. Yeah. 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 But I mean, Gary Oldman. Come on, he's the best. Oh yeah. Hard. I, I, I mean, fan casted two, actually. Yeah. Dashiell was, um, you know, Stranger Things. Um, Joe Kerry, Steve Harrington, hair. Steve with the hair. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Um can't remember her name. It's gone out of my head. So I'm on IMDB. Oh, Shits Creek. Oh. Which one? Her? The mum. Mora? Yes. Um, Catherine, Catherine O'Hare. Miss Judy. I know it, it seems a bit of an odd casting, but honestly, if you give her like a sharper haircut, she has the wit behind her, but she, it's eyes. You, there's yeah. so much there that you can, she could, she can do that kind of happy kind of like, um, let's go shopping, let's go to the Christmas market, let's go to the, the bath spa. And then she could turn it on a dime. And yeah. that's, that was Miss Judy for me. That's good. Yeah. I I have not fan casted. Um, I did fan cast in my head one character in my old series, but he aged out. <laughs> too old to be the character. But the um, so the, in the prior series, there's a, a main character, Hope, and she has um, I don't know, an interesting relationship with the archangel Michael, who's like embodied as a teenage boy in the the U.S. And I fan casted um, Chris Pine from the Star Trek movie. Yes. Originally, one of the best, I was one like, of the best oh. Chris's. Yes, one of the best Chris's. But again, he got too old to be a teenage boy at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to give my love for him away. So, mm. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to think about it. And I think some of the books, like I think agency particularly once you get into the spying parts it's very cinematic so it lends mm-hmm. itself to thinking that through yeah let off yeah i don't know who would be a good breather it's I think also, we'll, we'll go for new talent yeah it's also really hard to think of like i don't watch a lot of teen and children's stuff no you know so it's hard to like Oh, who's the perfect, you know, teenage actor right now? I don't know. You see, this is why I go for people and say, this is the person I'm thinking of. Now you need to find them, but age appropriate. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I'm not yeah. the casting director. This isn't my job. You just do, this is my vision. Just Google <laughs> and you'll find out, say, redhead, redheaded <laughs> teen actress. I mean, there's, there's the girl who is also in Stranger Things. Um, what is her name? Yes. She would was be great. She in, was she in the Fear Street movies? She was in the Fear Street movie. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, mm-hmm. I feel like. But the thing is, though, wigs, hair dye. Yeah. But, you know, you know when you have red hair, you have a well, skin tone that goes with it. It's hard to. Anybody, anybody can have red hair. I mean, you can color someone's hair. Right. Right. So you could just find someone who you think could pull it off. It's like a quiet power is what you need. Sadie Sink is that girl's name. Sorry. There it is. Yes, you're right. Yeah. She'll be good. She'll be good. 
Netflix, call us again. <laughs> yes. Do your jobs do for deal. you here. <laughs> do the jobs for you. <laughs> right. So any other upcoming projects that you've got apart from book two, which is hopefully going to be at end of year, beginning of next year? Is there anything else that you've got coming up that you can brag about? I, I um, am working on another book in parallel that will be a standalone dystopian thing. Ooh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. It involves cruise ships. Ooh. Nice, okay. Which is like the definition of hell for many people. <laughs> so that's perfect for dystopia. Um, so yeah, working on that as well. That's, and that's interesting. Yeah, I think it, it's it's an interesting premise. It's a little bit um, post-COVID-y, right? Mm. Um, so without being focused on COVID, it, I think it has a post-COVID mentality to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So where can people follow you to keep up to date with all of these books that are coming out and your other series is, is what what... Can you tell us about your other series? That you've yes, the other series is called The Archangel Prophecies. Three books. First is called Dark Hope. Um, second is Dark Rising. And final is Dark Before Dawn. Mm. And um, they're all available on any of your normal online bookseller um, shopping platforms. Um, that book, I'll, just a little teaser about it. It... Like I said, it's a paranormal YA romance, um, but it's kind of a, also like a mashup quest of, it's, say like Twilight, but with angels Ooh. crossed with a Dan Brown novel. It's like okay. a prophecy <laughs> and there's a relic and, you know, so it's like, it's really fun and it goes all over the place as well. Starts out in Atlanta, goes to Las Vegas goes to France, goes to Ireland, goes to Turkey, That's comes amazing. back to the U.S., goes to um, out west and up to the um, drilling fields, the shale drilling fields. So it's like all over the place and um, also has a big theme in it around human trafficking. Um, it's like a really, a really fun book and same thing. You can read it totally at one level as just a YA romance and mystery or you can read it for the underlying themes of identity and forgiveness and learn a lot about the current events that were shaping the storyline as well um so fun fun book great characters as well playing with angels is always fun like making them real life kind of kind of like the gods right like Okay, here are these mythology, mythological characters. How do you bring them to life in a modern context? So that was really fun for me. Um, anyone who wants to learn more or, or follow all that, got a website, monicamcgurk.com that keeps all the news and has links to buy everything there. Um, my handles on Instagram and Facebook are Monica McGurk Writes. So I can be followed there. Um, I don't do Twitter. And Twitter is getting sensible. Too- sensible. So I just I, I think I still have my handle out there, but I don't really use it anymore. So yeah, I'm off of the, the Twitter sphere for now. That's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter um, is horrible. I think so. And I do have um if people like 
geek out and want to learn more about the issues in the book, um, I have a Pinterest board as well where I'll I'll do or a Pinterest site where I'll do boards based on like here's this location, right? So if you want to learn all about the Calais refugee camp, I've got you. Um, nice. As deep as you want to go or as shallow as you want to go, um, bits about the true elite nannying schools. There's you know some profiles of that. So every location, some of the backstory on current events, you can find me on Pinterest. That's cool. That's really good. Yeah, we'll share that for sure. Um, I want to say something or ask you something which uh, was included in the background info of our main episode. Um, I found in an interview that you had a um, Twilight fan fiction. I did. And yeah. you, you had an alternate ending. Um, can you tell us about that, please? Because I am only slightly obsessed with Twilight. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> When Sorry, I, I know we were wrapping things up, but no, no, no. Well, this I is important. I remembered that I <laughs> that I wanted to ask about it. So the, the, it's it's great that you asked about it because this is how I got back into writing, right? So like ten years ago plus, I was experiencing a lot of burnout. You know, I'm I'm a corporate executive, right? Work full time, and I was super burnt out. And part of what I did in response was like, oh, what did I used to like to do? what can I start doing even though I'm flying around you know going to meetings and stuff and um, I landed on writing but I was terrified to get into writing so it's like oh fan fiction because it was kind of like to me at least it was a, a newer thing it's like fan fiction would be cool because you've got a starting point you've somebody's created this universe and you can decide you know, how to riff on it and make it your own through this platform. And you get feedback immediately. Like every time you post something, if people are paying any attention to you, they write a review, you get feedback, you can get better by listening to it, which for someone like me, who I'm super geeky. I love that. I was like, this is it. This is going to be awesome. Um, so I don't know when it was, it was right after the Harry Potter series wrapped up mm -hmm. and I was kind of in mourning because I, I loved those books and I read them with my kids and everything. We're really into it. What am I going to read to replace that? And there was, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article about the phenomenon of Twilight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to buy this book at the airport. And then I was like, must read. So I read everything like super fast. And then there was no final book. Like she wasn't done with it yet. So it's like, this is it. This is what I'm going to write about. So I wrote the, my ending before she wrote her ending. And it's kind of weird because it ended up having a lot of similarities. It's very different mm -hmm. in many respects, but some plot points were very similar, which is really interesting. Probably because she had planted those seeds and I had mm -hmm. subconsciously picked them up, right? And then I wrote a prequel, a novel-length prequel all about Rosalie. Oh, okay who was one of my favorite characters in that mm -hmm. series. So it's like her origin story um, and, and goes all the way up to like how she fell in love with Emmett and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I wrote a bunch of short stories about, about them as well. Um, and one, I don't know, I think it was, yeah, it was the alternative ending actually won a Twific fan fiction award and stuff. So that's, that's the point where, 
my husband was like, you should try something original. And that's how the Archangel Prophecies came to be. Because I was like, okay, well, I don't have any great ideas. So I'll do like Twilight. But instead of vampires, I'll do angels. That's exciting. So can do they still exist somewhere? Can we track them down? They do. If you go on um, fanfiction.net, and I believe there's a link on my website as well, um, and maybe on my LinkedIn profile even. Every once in a while, I'll sneak in something on my LinkedIn profile. (laughs) (laughs) But fanfiction.net, and my handle was consultant by day. And um, the the alternative ending was Morningstar. Okay. I think is what it was titled. And the prequel was entitled Rosalie's Revenge. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know and when we anybody, about anybody who likes Rosalie needs to read it because yeah. it's just like um, super empowering of her as a character. And the way we talked about Midnight Sun a couple of years ago when it came out, we were like, we want to know the side characters. We want to know the history mm. about Rosalie and Emma. Yes. We want to know you know what what goes on and how they found each other and you know the before twilight so yeah we love amanda there's a lot set in the south yay okay yeah i just (laughs) i found you um i found you on fan on fanfiction.net so got that saved don't worry enjoy (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you know it's funny because a lot of people in traditional publishing have issues with fan fiction and I think as long as the author's okay with it I think it's wonderful because mm-hmm. what higher compliment could you have than to have somebody so engaged with your storytelling that they want to write about it themselves yeah. I, like wow I, I would aspire to be that beloved um, or my characters that beloved that someone would want to do that so Again, as long as you get the A-OK from the author, I think it's really cool and, and such a testament to all the creativity that's out there in the world. Yeah. yeah. We love oh, a bit oh. of fan fiction. We're always coming up with our own and one day yeah. we will write it down. We will. One day. <laughs> one day we will. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Good stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I think we've probably kept you long enough. Well, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed the conversation. Super it's fun. Really good. We're looking forward to book two. Yes, we are definitely. <laughs> Thank you. I'm. I'm. I have to tell you, I'm excited about it. And you know, sometimes you write and you're like, "Oh, this is really not good." Yet <laughs> this one, I actually have really good feeling about. I think it's excellent. Um, I think it's good. I need. I need to get my beta readers all to engage in it, and they can tell me what they think. But my own personal vibe on it is thumbs up. Okay. So, excellent. Awesome. Excellent. We'll look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a good day. Thank you. You yes, too. thank you. Take care. And I'll look forward for my rhubarb care package whenever you get to. <laughs> All righty. Okay. Thank you thank very much. You thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that's it for this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. 
you can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.